the last 18 months, I'd say business is up about 150% or so. So if we were, you know, 10 to 12 hires, we're currently, I think, 32 employees these days. It's gone extremely well. The Shopify business has continued to grow very nicely in that time period. Welcome to the Milk Bottle Shopify e-commerce podcast, brought to you by Milk Bottle Labs, Ireland's top-rated Shopify experts. Milk Bottle Labs build, upgrade, migrate, and market Shopify and Shopify Plus stores all over the world. Milk Bottle will migrate you onto Shopify with zero interruption, guaranteed, or optimize your Shopify store and maximize store sales. This podcast is kindly supported by our favorite Shopify app and the only app we install in every store. Rewind.io is the leading backup solution for your Shopify store. We'll talk more about Rewind later. Now over to your host, founder of Milk Bottle Labs, Keith Matthews. Hey folks, welcome back. Great to have you again. My guest today is a good friend of mine from Ottawa, Mr. Mike Potter. And Mike is the founder of one of our favorite Shopify apps, the Rewind.io app and the Replay app. And if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you will be very much aware of who Mike is because Mike has been very graceful to support the podcast financially over the last 18 months. And Mike was also the first speaker on the podcast. So today is a special one. It's also a special one because Mike is running a very successful business. His business is up 150% and his team has doubled so today we are going to discuss the growth of the app and Mike's history. And Mike has also recently published a very interesting report on data protection. And it is actually quite amazing the amount of businesses online that aren't actually protecting their data. So here goes. Mike Potter, welcome back. How are you? Hey, Keith. Good. How are you? I'm not too bad. I think Canada and Ireland is on the same rough timeline in terms of COVID. You guys are very much or nearly out of lockdown. Isn't that right? Yeah, pretty much. We're hopefully on our way out, at least for the summertime. Everybody keeps talking about the return of it in the fall. We'll see whether that happens or whether people can maintain their social distance and their masks and stuff and keep everybody safe. So we'll see what happens. But for now, things seem to be doing a lot better than they were a few months ago here. That's good. And seems to be like that in, in a good few countries around the world. Obviously, the US at the moment is having a pretty bad run of it, but hopefully it will get better very, very soon. Mike, it is absolutely wonderful to have you back. You are a record holder on this podcast. Do you know what records you hold? I do not know what records I hold. You were the first guest on the podcast. Oh, nice. Yes, back in, I think it was October 2018. So thanks for your continued support as a, as a sponsor. Uh, most of our regular listeners will be well aware of who Rewind is because you guys have been very graceful in supporting us uh, since day one. So we're eternally grateful for that support. So thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely happy to help. Great. So Mike, I think the last time we spoke, I think you were heading towards maybe 10 or 12 hires. And since then, you are working with other platforms and other software I know that you're working with Zero, for example, you launched a product recently. Can you give the listeners an indication of what kind of trajectory and growth you've had in the last 18 months? In the last 18 months, I'd say business is up about 150% or so. So if we were, you know, 10 to 12 hires, we're currently, I think, 32 employees 
these days. It's gone extremely well. The Shopify business has continued to grow very nicely in that time period. And, you know, obviously really happy to partner with them and to work on protecting stores for their customers as they've grown. I think they've probably doubled over the period of that time to over a million merchants now. As you mentioned, we back up other platforms and we've seen really good growth from our big commerce business. We were partner of the year for big commerce last year. They've been a great partner to work with. And our QuickBooks business that we launched a few years ago has taken off as well in the last seven months or so, really since the start of the year. You know, we've always been looking to, to get sort of three legs of the stool going, like three good revenue streams for the business. And, and we're seeing that these days. The pandemic has certainly helped, you know, more businesses going online on all the platforms with more people going online and, you know, working from home, increasing the risk of something happening to the business. So there's been an increase of installs that we've seen since the pandemic has started. But all three, all three legs of the business for us are uh, are doing really, really well these days. So it's been a, you know, it's been a fantastic 2020 for us for the first half of the year, for sure. That's that's great, Mike. Great to hear. And in terms of the other backup services you provide, you're backing up Trello, Zero, and QuickBooks and BigCommerce. But are they carefully chosen based on the fact that the majority of e-commerce owners would more than likely have an accountancy package integrated? Is that part of the reasoning behind choosing those software providers to work with? We certainly listen to customers and, and look at what other pieces of software they're using in order to try and figure out what platforms we should be backing up next. I'd say one of the things that we've realized is that we, we need to get really good at the process for determining which platforms to move to next. And that's one thing that we've really worked on this year is building a framework so that we can evaluate different platforms. There's a number of things that we look at when we're determining which platforms that we want to back up. Certainly, you know, use by our own customers is, is one of those elements, but we look at other things like, you know, how popular is the platform? How open is their API? Can we get access to the data that customers are looking to back up? Do they have an app store? Can we can we work in that app store? Do they have a go to market? Are there are there forums where people have posted that they're looking for backup solutions? We do searches on GitHub to see if people have built solutions already, like you know some sort of code that they've released that that's a you know a bit of a script to automate something that's show, that's showing demand. We have a whole Excel sheet, to be honest with you, of how we evaluate all those platforms. And then once we've narrowed the list down we put the the likely next platforms up on the website to make it look like like we're backing them up or really to just try and gauge demand. So a couple of the ones that you mentioned, like Trello and Zero, for instance, we're not currently backing them up. We've just started work on Trello, so we'd expect that to be done before the end of the year. Zero, although it's on the website, it's one where we're, we're asking people to pre-sign up or to express some interest before we build the product. And I think that's one of the things that we've always tried to do is pre-seed demand before we spend developers' resources, before we put people on to building that solution. We really don't want to waste anybody's time. So it's important for us that when we go to, to build a platform, typically takes between you know, 9 to 12 months of work to really complete it. We want to make sure that it's the right move for us. And so the Zero and Trello in particular are two that, that right now we're testing out. And we've, we've got really good indications on both. So I'm pretty confident that by the end of the year, we'll, um, 
we'll be backing both up. And then we're looking at the, you know, what are we going to do after that? So it's funny, Mike, because you probably now are spending as much effort researching the market as well as actually researching the ability to integrate via APIs. So you've probably had to scale up on that side as well, have you, internally? Yeah, we did. It's a really interesting point, right? Because I, I often say to people, you know, if we had if we had analyzed the, the Shopify market before we built it, we might never have gotten into it. You know, <laughs> the research that we did, it was fairly limited when we started, but we certainly talked to customers, or sorry, employees at Shopify and some of the Shopify partners that we knew in the city of Ottawa. And, you know, we were told there's either no market for backups for Shopify or you might be able to charge $5 a month to back up a store. And and so I think if we had listened to those people, we probably wouldn't have ever really started it. So you, you do at some point have to combine the research with, with a bit of a gut feel and, and a bias towards action and just start building things. We've tried a couple of other platforms in the past. We, we built uh, solutions last year for MailChimp and Klaviyo. We ended up discontinuing them halfway through the year for various reasons. No, but the the point for us is we always want to be trying new platforms because we we think that you know if you try and you fail and you learn, then you can figure out what does it take to build one properly. And if we can get to that point where everyone that we're building is a real success and we know how to evaluate them ahead of time, we know what we're looking for you know, we can really scale this company up quite quickly once we figure out that that model. Yeah, and sometimes when you research an idea, you, you find the answers and the reasons as to why you shouldn't do something. The reasons why you should do something are usually harder to find. Yeah. So that's a good, good point that you made there. You mentioned Ottawa. In terms of those, you know, 30 or so staff, was it a big effort to transition everybody in terms of working remote for the period of the, of the first lockdown? No, what wasn't really hard. We had already set up the company to work remotely. So we had a policy at Rewind that, you know, if you wanted to work from home, you were able to work from home. If you wanted to work in the office, you could come into the office. We had people that certainly came in every day to the office. And we had people that stayed home for most days as well. So it wasn't really too much of an issue when we closed the office. I'd say what we've seen over the last little while, we have a survey that we send out to our employees with a tool called Office Vibe that's really good. And we can see stress levels starting to go up, people struggling a bit with work-life balance. You know, I was talking to one employee the other day, for instance, who was saying, you know, I'm, it's, it's easy for me to get on at eight o'clock in the morning because I don't have to drive into work any, anymore. But it's really hard to check off at, or sign out at four you know, it's easier to just keep going until I have to go and make dinner. And so yeah. as a result of that, you know, I'm starting to work 45, 50 hours a week. And, and that, you know, that becomes a bit unsustainable. One of our values at Rewind is that we really believe that people can get their work done in 40 hours. And we try and encourage our employees to not work more than, than that 40 hours a week. So, you know, the fact that we've got employees that are working 50 becomes a bit of a concern because I think that over the long run, that's not really a sustainable activity. So, we, you know, what I told them was just find your 40 hours, right? So if you, if you start at eight and you, and you go till five, then maybe on Friday afternoon, you take off early or, you know, Thursday, if you need to go to the grocery store to do your groceries or whatever. So I think we've been really flexible in how people make up the hours that we're expecting them to work. 
they've certainly got all the tools that they need. We encouraged our employees to go and grab chairs and the desks that they've got at the office so that they can set up a, an office at home that's fairly comfortable. And then other than that, it's really just been flexibility to say, look, like, you know, everybody's different. Everybody's in a different situation. I know personally, when my kids were at home during the school year, you know, on Thursdays and Fridays, I'd have to, I'd have to basically be teaching them. You know, I'd be working for an hour or two hours in, in blocks throughout the day, you know, work an hour, an hour and a half, go teach them for an hour, hour and a half, give them a bit of a break, come back, try and get some work done. You know, the, the notion of working nine to five, I think these days has kind of been blown out the window. People are just figuring out when they can get their work done throughout the day. So certainly for us, you know, technically or, or whatever, it wasn't an issue in getting people set up remotely. I think the concern we've got now is more around stress levels and, and mental health issues that can see starting to pop up. Yeah, for people who don't actually, who haven't experienced working from home, that phenomenon of over-delivering is actually just so easy that it does become a problem. Another issue that I've heard with people is that I know quite a few people who have just found it very, very difficult to understand that there's no boundary between their workplace and their home place. Everything just gets mashed up into one. And it's a big challenge. I recently spoke to Sean Moran, who was a former employee of, of Shopify, who is now advising companies on how to skill up their employees to work remote. Shona has started as well before COVID and is extremely well versed on all of the mechanics and all of the, the psychological side of it as well. And there's actually a science behind it. It's very complex and also a very interesting area. And as she said to me on the, on the podcast episode, you know, it's not just a matter of giving somebody a nice Apple laptop and giving them a Slack channel and telling them to go and work. I mean, it's much more complicated than that. The learning around that is, has been accelerated as a result of COVID. Yeah, I, I, for sure. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I was talking to her a couple of weeks ago, actually, and on her podcast. Um, oh, great. Yeah. So it was really great to you know catch up with her as well. But totally agree, right? Like it's the boundary from a, from a work perspective. Like at least when I was going to the office, you know, you'd have this, you know, 20, 30, 40 minute drive home that allowed you to, you know, in my case, I'd listen to some podcasts or listen to uh, the radio. And then when I get home, you know, I typically would go and I'd get changed. I'd get out of my work clothes, get in my home clothes. You know, there's this there's this switch that happens for me, and it's a it's a mental switch. It takes about twenty or thirty minutes to go from work mode to okay, like let's try and leave work at work as much as possible. Let's be you know home husband dad mode kind of thing. You're right. Like now, it's a matter of like you know I just open the door and I'm at home. And so there's definitely been times where I've been eating dinner. And, you know, I'm physically present, but I'm mentally still at work, right? And you're just, yeah. you're just continuing to think. So you, you do need to figure out how to make that change, how to, how, to, how to adapt so that when you're at home, you're feeling like you're, like you're at home. And when you're at home working, you can feel like you're at work. You know, we've tried, I've tried a couple of different things. I've tried, you know, going for walks around the block and, and, and literally saying like, you know, I'm walking to work kind of thing. So I leave the front door and then go for a walk. And then I come in, I go straight to my office. That's my sort of walk to work. I've tried that. But you, you, you try and figure out these little tricks that get you from work mode to home mode and being able to switch. And I think that's really been the challenge that a lot of people have been trying to have is, you know, how, how do I do that? Because you're right, it's so easy to just, continue to be in work mode, right? When work is at home, you're just, it's like you're working all the time, basically. 
Absolutely. I suppose to, to finish on that, and thanks for your insights because you've obviously you're managing a large team and you're, you know, you're stuck in the middle of it. And of course you're doing it. You're just like, like us, you're in the middle of it. You're also doing what you're talking about. The only kind of positive thing that I can get out of it is, is that it is affecting a lot of people. And there is an awful lot of information on the internet, which is being distributed by qualified people on, you know, advising and directing people as to what they should do. So uh, there's a lot of information floating around. Yeah, that's the good news, right? Is I think you're right. There's a lot of people that are sharing what they're doing. I, I think, you know, Shopify has been fairly open about the policies that they've put in place as well. So we can follow some of the decisions that they're making. It's all really helpful. You know, I, I do caution people all the time that, you know, advice is just that, right? It's advice. And so it might not work for you, but it's certainly an input into the decision that you can make. And at the end of the day, you have to figure out what, what works for you and works for your company and your employees. And I think as, as long as you're communicating and you're pretty clear about what's expected of people and, and really being fairly flexible on your deadlines and on, on what you're expecting people to do, I, I think in the end, you know, that's a pretty good starting point to engaging your employees and making sure that they feel like, like they're able to continue to contribute. Let's take a short break and I'll share the one app we install on every Shopify build. The team at Rewind.io have developed the leading backup solution for Shopify. Did you know there is no way of recovering lost data from a Shopify store? Rewind.io automatically backs up your store data. In the event of a data loss, usually due to human error, Rewind enables you to rewind your store back to its previous state. It's so simple and is used by some of the world's leading Shopify agencies, such as Kurt Elster of EtherCycle and Kelly Vaughan at the Top Room. If your store is gaining traction, you may have multiple users making changes. Often store owners allow team or app developers enter a store to add code. Sometimes mistakes happen and data gets deleted. You can reduce your business risk today and prevent a costly catastrophe by installing the Rewind.io app on your Shopify store. Get your first month of Rewind for free by simply responding to any of the welcome messages or emails you receive after you begin your seven-day trial and mention this podcast. Now, back to the interview. Absolutely, Mike. Fully agree. Mike, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you was, was that in the first week in June, you released your survey. The title of it is very interesting. The title of the survey is When the Store Goes Down, and it's your 2020 Data Protection Survey Report. You know, reading some of the findings, like to say that 60% of e-commerce store owners that were surveyed did not back up their site in any way. It was kind of like us talking to a client. All of the findings are kind of, you know, we've had discussions with clients in the past around all of pretty much all of the findings that you've published. So I suppose in terms of the background to the survey, was it 200 Rewind customers that you surveyed or was it a wider net? No, it was Rewind customers. We sent that out to, uh, to the entire list of customers. Um, so the, the survey was, was directed towards our customer base based on some of the feedback that, you know, that you're, that you're sharing here, right? Which is a lot of customers aren't aware of the risks of using SaaS software to run their business. I'm not, and I'm not talking about Shopify or big commerce or just e-commerce. I mean, just in general, people who are using SaaS are not aware of their responsibilities from a data protection perspective. And, and we'd heard that. We'd heard that, you know, the, the same feedback that you're getting, we hear it all the time. Most people were doing nothing to protect their store before they, before they heard about Rewind. And it really wasn't something that came to them 
to understand like, why do I even need to do this? The reason I went to a cloud provider was so that they would take care of, you know, managing the servers, managing my data, managing my backups and describing the difference between, you know, what the platform backs up because, you know, certainly Shopify and big commerce and QuickBooks and, and really every platform has a backup of your data. It's just not a backup that, you as an, an account owner or a store owner can get access to. It's it's to protect their customer data. It's not to protect your data. And so that, I think, is a really surprising thing for a lot of people who are on these platforms. And for the most part, I think people, once it's explained to them, they understand the difference and they get it. Most people, I think, are surprised. The few people that get it are the ones, you know, like me personally, who have lost data before, you know, not necessarily on Shopify or, in, or BigCommerce, just really any platform that they've been using, whether it be their hard drive or any SaaS service. The ones that have lost data before know the pain, right? They've lived through that. They, you know, I, I, I remember that time when I was doing a presentation in Chicago in front of a few hundred people when I was working at Adobe and my computer hard drive crashed and I lost everything on that hard drive. Like, you know, worst experience from a professional standpoint that you could get is trying to do a presentation in front of a few hundred people while you have a picture of a, of a hard drive with a big question mark over it when you start your computer up. But Mike, didn't that lead you to starting Rewind? Yeah, well, that's one of the reasons why. Like, I'm a big backup fanatic. I, I'm looking right now at home at, at two hard drives that I've got here in my office that are mirroring each other. So my computer mirrors to those hard drives, those hard, hard drives mirrors mirror to each other. And then in addition to that, I've also got an offline backup that goes up into the cloud. So, you know, they talk about this sort of three, two, one strategy from a backup perspective of having three copies of your, of your data on two different mediums and or sorry, in two different locations. You know, I, I take that to heart because, because I've gone through the pain of losing data. I think once you've done that, once you've experienced the, the fear, the horror of logging into something and seeing all of your work gone, you're more likely to go and search for solutions on any platform that you're using. So we see, we see those customers, but certainly, you know, I think that's the 40% out of the 60, uh, out of the 100. For, they're the 40%, the 60% are ones who are saying, yeah, I've never actually done that because they've never lost anything before. I don't want to labor a single point, but that's the most interesting stat from the survey. 60% of people said that they don't have any data backup facility for the majority of systems they use. So just to be very clear, if you sign up to a subscription for a software service, whether that be publishing social media or an accounting package, what you're saying is the software company itself does have a backup of the data and that protects themselves. But if you do something on your end and anything is lost, is it that they don't have the facility to wind it back? They just have the data, but they can't present it to you again. Is that, is that what you're saying? It's like, you know, if you asked, if you asked them to go in and pull out your data, it would be the equivalent of them trying to find a needle in a haystack, right? So Shopify has a million merchants. If you are one out of a million and you want one product that you've accidentally deleted, I don't know how many billions of products are being listed on Shopify, but you're asking them to go into their backup to pull out one piece of data. It's literally like finding a needle in a haystack. And so the backup that the that the SaaS providers have is it's kind of like an all or nothing backup. If their system goes down and it becomes unusable for some reason, they have a backup. But it's basically the copy of the way the system was right before the problem happened. 
And that's what they would use to recover, you know, any information that, that they might need to. But you as an account owner on that system can't leverage their backup to help you manage your store, manage your online accounting information, manage your Salesforce data, manage your Google Docs or your Office 365 information. That backup is not for, it's not for your use, it's for their use. And so what Rewind provides is a backup for, for your account and your data and giving you the control over um, how your data is saved and, and how it's being protected. The results actually are quite shocking because, again, it's sometimes it's like reading it is like talking to our own customers. I'm amazed at the amount of people that are hanging their entire business on a single platform like Shopify and they've no backup. In the survey results, you know, 70% of the businesses were actually what we would, would call over here SMEs, small to medium enterprises of five people or less. And yet, out of all of those people, out of the 60% of them that don't have a backup, over 78% of them were actually using e-commerce to drive their sales and their sales were about 76% of the value of their business. Basically, these guys had invested in a SaaS platform to do probably three quarters of their, their revenue on an annual basis and they admitted to not, not having any form of backup. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And, and the impact of it, of not having that backup can really be, I think, eye-opening to a lot of people. You know, I, we had one respondent that said they lost an entire year of, of blog. They, they used content marketing as the key way to drive their SEO, tra- uh, their SEO ranking up and to drive traffic to their website. They made one mistake in deleting their blog and all of their blog posts were gone. You know, your inventory, for instance, can be wiped out by apps misbehaving and, and changing data. And we've seen that a bunch of times. Anytime when you're syncing data between two platforms is really one that we see very, very troublesome. But you know, going back to that impact, I think it's that's the most shocking part is the you know the likelihood of it happening. People may consider it to be very, very low, but the impact tends to be enormous. You know, like you said, like between eighty and one hundred percent of your sales are being done online. You know, it's really easy to say if you know the store goes down lose thousands or tens of thousands of dollars in sales, especially online when it's so easy to open up another tab in a browser and, you know, go to a different website and and you lose that customer forever. So I think certainly the, the number of people that are running their business without some sort of protection was definitely surprising. And then, you know, the impact on sales is what we had hoped to see and get some more data out of which really came out in the study that, you know, there's, there's the opportunity exists here to be losing tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars in sales, depending on the size of the disaster that happens. Is the risk for small businesses, well, obviously every business, but is the risk going to get larger because there is more, more software services being released on a regular basis? And, you know, I mean, when I look at our own business, our accountancy package, our marketing packages, everything is software as a service. So as a business owner, as your business grows, you might require, you know, software to manage your HR staff, uh, software to manage your payroll. As your business grows, you're going to be actually signing up to more software services in the cloud. So the risk is always increasing. Is that a logical conclusion? Yeah, I think the risk goes up in a lot of ways, right? So certainly, I mean, the more software you're using, the more data that needs to be protected. 
I think the other thing we're seeing these days, especially is as, as business is growing, you know, so if your store is growing and doing well and you're hiring more people, that's another area that we see causing problems, right? People either having access to areas of a site that they shouldn't have access to, being untrained in, uh, in the piece of software that they've got, or just, you know, human error. I mean, people make mistakes all the time. And so as you, as the business grows, yes, you're using more software and there's more risk, but there's also more people that are interacting with that, with those systems that might not fully understand how they work and might not know the impact of some of the decisions that they're making to, you know, select things and delete them. So I think, you know, business growing is generally, yes, it's, it's increasing the risk that you're going to lose data. There's a lot of reasons why that happens. One is certainly, you know, using more pieces of software. Two is, your business is growing. There's more people involved. People make mistakes. I mean, that, that's just, that's the fact of life. And so as the business grows, absolutely the risk of, of losing something increases. One of the problems with the SaaS e-commerce platforms is in some cases, it's just too easy to press delete. They're actually, in, in a lot of cases, they're too easy to use. One of the biggest problems that we see is with Shopify store owners is giving multiple members of their team access to all areas of the store. Right. when you know, a lot of the staff should have absolutely no reason to have to have the access to run reports or actually see orders. And we've actually seen it in a couple of cases where your own app has actually completely saved the day. But e-commerce store owners, you're busy. You're trying to get 10 things completed when you only have time for five. As you say, you know, human error is actually, in our experience, is the cause of the data loss anytime we've had to use the actual rewind service. When you, you run that survey and you know the business very well, but does it just continue to shock you every year or is there any new trends or any new learnings that you're getting from this as you continue to do it every year? I think, you know, so we've been doing Rewind for five years now. We launched, we launched Rewind for Shopify in 2015. Over those five years, I think we've seen, I'd like to think we've seen almost every possible scenario of somebody being able to lose data. I remember one of our customers telling me that their site broke because they were editing their theme and their cat jumped on their keyboard and accidentally saved a, a change and they didn't know what the what the cat had done. You know, it turns out the the cat had deleted, I think it was deleted or inserted maybe one letter into their into their theme. Oh, it happened God. to do it on the action button of adding to cart. So it totally, <laughs> you know, broke the store, but you know, somebody that's not experienced with Shopify themes is just trying to manage their store. It was a tough error to find. You know, we've seen that. We've seen business relationships gone bad where people have gone in deliberately tried to cause problems. We've seen apps that have been misbehaving on every platform that we back up. So I'm not sure that anything is, I, I hope, I hope I don't see anything that surprises me anymore in terms of that. I think in general, the survey sort of validated what we what we've heard from customers, which is that most of them don't realize that this is something that they should be doing. They don't understand the risk. They don't understand the impact to the business if data were to be lost. And once they're aware of that problem and aware of the impact that uh, that it might have, they're you know they're more than happy to to use a backup solution. But I think that's that's I think the main thing that we learned from the survey is it was kind of validating what we had heard from talking to customers over the past five years. Mike, we will share a link to the report in the show notes and we will continue to install your app on 
every store that we enter, would you believe it? We've just initiated an internal rule where we don't work on a store unless Rewind is actually installed, whether that be long term for the client or temporarily while we're in the store. We are absolutely advocates for, for backing up, but also we're advocates for Rewind.io. So thank you very, very much for joining me. And thank you very much for sharing the, the insights on backing up. Absolutely. It was great to talk to you, Keith. Thanks for listening to the Milk Bottle Shopify e-commerce podcast. All of our episodes are available on Spotify and iTunes. We really appreciate the support of our sponsor, Rewind.io, the leading backup solution for your Shopify store. Get your first month of Rewind for free. Just respond to any of the welcome messages or emails after you begin your seven-day free trial and mention our podcast. Until the next time, take care.